Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, a keynote speaker and executive mental performance coach. And I'm just excited to have you here today, ready to listen to episode 559. The you know the goal of these episodes is really to help you play bigger, to help you develop the high performance mindset so you can get to your goals in you know your career, in your business, and in your sport quicker. And today's episode is perfect to help you do that. I've wanted to have Tom Hansen on the podcast for quite some time now. I think his book, Heads Up Baseball, is legendary in the field of sport and performance psychology. So let me tell you a little bit about Tom Hansen to get us started. He frees athletes and coaches, executives, and work teams to consistently perform at their near best. He's the former director of performance enhancement for the New York Yankees, and he's also consulted with the Texas Rangers, the Los Angeles Angels, and the Minnesota Twins organizations. As I mentioned, he co-authored both Heads Up Baseball and Heads Up Baseball 2.0 with legendary Dr. Ken Revisa, and these books have combined to sell over 250,000 copies. They've been adopted by many major college and professional teams, used as a college textbook, and has been called the Bible for Developing Mental Toughness. He also wrote the award-winning book, Play Big, Mental Toughness Skills That Take Baseball Players to the Next Level, and his best-selling business fable, Who Will Do What by When. He has a PhD in sports psychology from the University of Virginia, and I think you're going to find that today's episode applies to any area in your life that you want to level up and play bigger in, whether that's in your sport or your career or maybe your role as a parent or a friend. And in today's episode, Tom and I talk about how confidence is as easy as ABC and what ABC stands for, how to play big in five simple steps, and how tapping can help you overcome mental roadblocks. If you'd like to see the full show notes along with a full transcription of this interview, you can head over to syndracampoff.com slash 559 for episode 559. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening and share it with one or two people who you think could benefit from playing bigger in their lives. Without further ado, let's bring on Tom. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm so excited Dr. Tom Hansen is here in the house with us virtually. All right. <laughs> uh, th- thank you so much, Tom, for having uh, for being here and, and for coming on the podcast. You're very welcome, Sindra. I'm excited about the conversation. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I I agree. And I think some of your books, all of your books are classics, and I can't wait to wow. listen. That's a good I do. start. We're off to see. It's great. <laughs> We're off to a good start, at least for me. Yeah. I have one and two here, actually heads up baseball and then check it out all, all of right. the tabs and another one heads up baseball 2.0. And then I had Love some it. time to spend reading your other two books. So I'm just really excited that you're here and that you're willing to share with us some wisdom uh, to help the audience and everyone who's listening today. Yes, so maybe just, maybe just get us started and, and tell us a little bit about what you're passionate about and what you're doing right now. Yeah. I'm really passionate about human performance and helping people close that gap between where they are and where they want to be. It really starts out, hey, what's your dream? What would you like to have happen? And that comes really though. And then it's like, well, where are you now? What are your current limitations? And well, let's close that gap, particularly focusing on 
inner game stuff like how how they're thinking how they're processing information kind of nervous system related stuff not so much mechanics i was a i was a hitting coach at the university of virginia when i was getting my phd there i was a head college coach um for seven years in the 90s so on the field you know uh, coaching uh absolutely you know mechanics but that's not really a focus here and what i end up what i do now is is very much like yourself in terms of i work with a lot of athletes from professional levels to youth. Um, and I also work with a lot of executives and leadership teams. The, one of the other books uh, that you mentioned or didn't have a physical one, Who Will Do What By When? I've been doing a lot with that lately. Um, my wife is a master certified coach. She's doing a lot of work really in high levels of the government, helping people with that. So we can get into that. Um, so anyone that's like got a gap that, that they, they're like, okay, I'm here, but I'd love to be here. And I want to enjoy the ride from here to here. Um, that's the, what I'm most interested in in helping helping. And I, and I've one of the, my big distinctions over the years is that I teach what I want to learn. Like this yeah. book is about commitment. <laughs> it's not like you know I'm great at commitment, and I really owe it to the world to teach them what I do. <laughs> it's more like, boy, I'd like to be better at that. Let me dive in. And I'm a chronic teacher, so mm -hmm. it comes out. The Play-Doh gets put in, it comes out a book or a course. Yeah, absolutely. And a constant developer of knowledge. That's what I see. I, I agree that I um, love to learn and I, I like learning more about myself. And that's why I, I'm in this profession. Um, and one thing that I've also noticed is this trend of more business people and executives coming to our work and being interested in our coaching. And I'm sure that you've seen that over the years of just working in the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very much. A, and then now what I'm doing is the, the, the Reese's commercial chocolate and peanut butter, um, because I'm about to launch, I'm not uh, about to launch a coaching program for executives who used to play sports or, or do, um, you know, I've got a pilot going with it. Now there's a guy who's like, as a golfer, avid golfer, and now he's running businesses and it's, it's fun to go through that with them. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's what I want to do in this conversation, bounce back and forth. That's programs is called that winning feeling. So as much as anything, okay. yeah. what my target is, is that exactly that people have that winning feeling because you're never done. You could win the Super Bowl. We want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. I haven't connected with you on that. I'm <laughs> uh, right here, man. Right there. Oh, you got your school mom. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. Let's go. No, I'm from Moorhead, Minnesota. <laughs> I grew up going to school in a Vikings jacket and I, I love and bleed the purple. So, um, and it's been some blood. That's <laughs> <laughs> I was there with Fran Tarkington and the, you know, the purple people eaters losing the Super Bowl, crying my head off. So. Well, not you um, grew up not too far from where I live. Uh, so that's exciting. So one of the first books that I read that you wrote with Ken Revis is called Heads Up Baseball. And yeah. I, I do think it is a classic. Um, as I teach graduate students, I have them all read this book because I think there's so much nice. great content in the book. And I also know that it's not just related to baseball, that it's related to life and business and our career. Absolutely. So maybe just get us started uh, and, and just tell us a bit about how did you partner with Ken Revisa to um, write Heads Up Baseball and where did that motivation come to? That's your That was your first book. Yeah. So this is people... I uh, don't know Ken. I got I pulled out his card. 
that's his <laughs> no, yeah, Ken Revisa, um, yeah. really a, a giant in our field and just a giant mm -hmm. human being. And mm -hmm. so, and from that, I would say to people listening, it's like, wow, that that's what I, wouldn't that be cool that people say that about me? Like I was a, a giant, the guy was a really giver. He was a, on the cutting leading edge. Um, and I would, uh, it started to me, I told this story a while back because I could start it to, in effect with a thank you note. So again, in terms, I'm, I'm trying to bias everything toward, hey, what's something useful that people <laughs> could get? A thank you note, the power of a thank you note. Ken came, I was at the University of Illinois getting my master's degree because I'm from Moorhead. I went to Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. And then at uh, Illinois, where I was mm -hmm. there, played a, a bunch of rugby, and I was a hitting coach there. We won three Big Ten championships. One day, Ken comes, because uh, he's a friend of Dan Gould, my advisor, and um, we, I ask him a couple of questions, and he's really helpful. And my thanks to my mom, she uh, had encouraged me to write a lot of thank you notes. And so I wrote him a thank you note, and a, a year or whatever, yearish later, we're at this ASP conference, a sports psychology conference. And I see him and he's like, like a biblical character <laughs> in that gaggles of people around him. Uh, and, and I saw him, Hey, Ken, you know, I met you. And he's like, Hey, great. Tom, 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 you're Tom Hansen, right? He goes, yeah, come here. <laughs> and he goes, I just want to tell you, people pump me for information all the time. And I'm happy to give, you know, don't get me wrong, but nobody nobody writes me a thank you note. And I just wanted yeah. to tell you how much I appreciated that, what that meant to me. So then I go to U University of Virginia, Bob Rattel is my advisor there, and I've been in charge of the summer week-long sports psych program. So who do I want? I've got a budget, I'm bringing Ken. And I bring Ken in and we take long walks, uh, smoking cigars at night <laughs> outside of Rotella's house. And um, wow. then I was at Skidmore College, upstate New York as a professor and I needed to, I had a, a sabbatical. And so I partnered with Ken um, and that's how we wrote Heads Up Baseball. Wow. Well, isn't that wonderful? What a great story and the power of just giving and thanking people instead of asking for something you can get from them, yeah. you know, um, and it goes a long way. Yep. Yeah. That was big. And so, yeah, I got to learn from him and, and all the, the stuff that's there. We can mm -hmm. dive into mm -hmm. or go whichever direction that you want. What is your favorite concepts? concept from the book that you think could relate to anyone who's listening? It's a cool question. Um, I would say what comes to my mind, what I've been hitting lately, isn't a term that's in it. And we didn't put it in the second, I, and I wanted it in the second book, but to meanify. To meanify um, is to bring meaning to something that you're doing. Like, I'm going to step on the rubber, make that, that's the start of the next pitch. As a pitcher, Okay, I'm not going to step on until I'm ready. There's a picture there of it says ready on the rubber. And so that's, I'm going to make that meaningful. Yesterday, talking with a guy who's in a pilot of my That Winning Feeling program, trouble sleeping, it's, he's meanify crossing the threshold. He comes down the stairs to right is his bedroom, to the left is, is whatever. But when I go there and cross that from then on, it's everything is off. That's now I'm, I'm out of my warrior mode for sure. And I'm crossing that threshold. Now it's bedtime. I got a great text from him this morning. So I slept great. So we, cause it's been a big issue for him. And so bringing meaning to something, you already do have me give meaning to everything our, ourselves. However, right. how, it's like, Hey, what can I do that? That's the start. One of the things Ken would say um, down the, down the end before we lost them in 2018 um 
would be a, when does the at-bat begin? Mm-hmm. When does your at-bat begin? When does your whatever you do when does your day begin? I've got a thing on my office door here, one of these sliding things, Dr. Tom Hansen, it says, and then it can slide it in or out. And so my practice is to, is to stop there, center, be like, okay, Dr. Tom Hansen is in and, and off I go. So um, that's one that comes to mind that I've been been doing a lot lately. Um, but um, and then the the breath. I mean, you have to you have to get <laughs> the breath. I remember writing the book. We talked. I talked to like fifteen big league players. Ken had worked for already like fifteen years with big leaguers, and I, and say, let's go talk to these guys and see what they think is most important. And and uh, so we're going around. It's like Kirk McCaskill, Jim Abbott. Remember Jim Abbott, a pitcher. Yes. Yeah. And um, guys like that. And far and away, the number one thing is the breath, taking a breath between pitches. And I remember, again, was a little deflated um, in, or disappointed because you talk about so many things and then it's like the breath. But, you know, there you go, really taking a breath. And whether you're an executive, hey, I'm going into a meeting, hey, I'm about to make a phone call, a good breath. And he really didn't get into much nuance to the breath. It was really, could you just take one or not? Um, but as I think you know, there's lots you can do with the breath um, that can help bring up your energy, what you can do to bring it down, um, all kinds of things like that. But really just, that was such a such a big one and people giving it back. And the other one would be the traffic light that I use yeah. every day, pretty much to this day this idea that we have an internal traffic light, green, yellow, red, and green means you're feeling good. Let's go. I'm on. And yellow, it's sped, you're sped up a little bit, losing it and red. So just yesterday I was talking with, with a corporate group uh, about that. And it boils down to deliberately get yourself green, do what you need to do, figure out what has you feel good and structure something ideally right away in the morning that helps you get going good feeling good and then notice when you get yellow we'll talk about hey what you know how does it show up in your body what do you hear yourself say what are things that hey when you get a yellow light ah i'm losing it and then how do you get back to green right in the moment and if you're executive you're whatever it is i haven't found anyone where that doesn't play well i remember do you remember phil roof you're not, I do. Yeah. You do? yeah. Um, a catcher for the twins when I was growing up. I Then I did some work with the twins. It was the same thing. I was working with the Rangers at the time and they were playing the twins and they said, hey, you're Tom Hansen. We're doing a study every, you know, it's our day where we're doing a reading from the chapter, uh, from a chapter of Heads Up Baseball. Do you want to come? And it's like, I'm there in my Rangers uniform. Awesome. Twins place. <laughs> and Phil Roof comes up to me and says, hey, Hansen. He goes, Thank you for that traffic light. I mean, because now I can talk to people. You can say, what gets you green? Hey, did you, did you get a yellow light? How did you know? When did it start? Did you do anything about it? How did you choose to respond? One of the great questions of, of all time. How did you choose to respond to that? And I was like, you're welcome, Phil. <laughs> you know, I'd grown up, you know, cheering for him, rooting for him. And then uh, to have that was super cool. Yeah, super cool. Well, such great concepts that you just mentioned there. I like the meaningful um, because it makes me think about how many times we kind of blend things together and we don't have routines or we don't reset. And I think the power of 
the Heads Up Baseball books um, is really about staying in the present moment. And how can you take it one pitch at a time or one phone call at a time or, you know, one rep at a time. And so many times we're thinking about the past or the future. And I think the traffic light helps us check in with ourselves because we just sometimes are on automatic pilot or rushing from thing to thing without taking some meaningful steps. And I think about how a lot of athletes that I work with struggle and even executives struggle with um, how to turn off the performance sort of, you know, what do you, after the game, what do you do to debrief or when you're done with a busy day, you know, you just come home and then you're kind of checked out at home because <laughs> you're just so exhausted and you don't maybe have the routines to put your phone away and be present. Yeah. Yeah. Having it be okay. You just pulled up, uh, you know, to the house and now I'm going to go in and I got two kids. Who do I want to be there and, and pre-play that um, and set an identity and really big identity. It's like, who, uh, clarifying who you want to be and then having those transitions one of my i've got five biggies like my coaching fundamentals um and a biggie number four is win this segment okay so the segment i'm in because everyone say hey, be present you know you got to be present okay i'm present i'm present and then i'm not and now i'm a loser <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just too high of a bar to to think that you're going to be that all the time and that's often the way it gets hey be in the moment be in the now appreciate right. your moment damn it mm -hmm. appreciate <laughs> what's going on right now yeah. can't you be grateful like I, um, and then you can for a bit and i find it super helpful to think in terms of a day as a segment um or you know and at the baseball you see it as these funnels like one mm -hmm. one funnel on into the next um, and so having it be a declaration, like walking into my office, like this morning, it's like, okay, I'm coming in here to do this. I, I walked right in. It's like, Hey, wait a second. I went back, you know, did the in out thing, even though I'd left it in, <laughs> I make it out and then go just to have something. It's like, okay, now here's this segment. Cause I'm going to move my son the rest of the day and, and he drives to college uh, tomorrow. Um, but right now I'm all in on this. This is the segment right. of talking to Sindra. And um, so having something that if I can do that, I can be locked in and have a blast, set an intention for this segment. And then so be as green as I can going in. Notice when I get yellow and get back to green as much as I can. And ideally, a little debrief at the end of a segment ends it. Take, take a learning Nobody's going to be super structured like that all the day. But the basic principle of, of that is like, hey, what did I learn? What could I learn? Take from that and then go on. And I might, I'm not, I'm not so rigid that every moment of the day is a, is a conscious segment, but the ones where I really want to play and be good, that's what I do. I think the breath is such a powerful tool that we have to stay in the present and to reset. So we stay in our green. What are the ways that, or tell us a little bit about how you're teaching that now, um, just for those people who are listening and thinking, okay, well, what does Tom really mean about the breath? Yeah, the biggest one out of it is, well, the biggest one is, is being conscious of your breathing. The breath is like a metaphor for all of us, to me, for the mental game, in that it goes on autopilot. I'm not wasn't thinking now until you <laughs> you spoiled it. Now I'm thinking about my breath. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wasn't until yeah. you called attention to it. Yeah. But um, 
it's it's because it runs on auto, but I also mm -hmm. can take control. So mm -hmm. that's like consciously, it's like, hey, we run 90%, 95% is on a pro auto program. We can wrestle some control and make deliberate choices. Um, with the to me, the choices are then to train the 90% so that it becomes a new set point that that's your normal. Um, if that makes sense. So with the breath, um, biggest thing once of being aware of it is going breathing through your nose. I like a I'd say, hey, let's get on LSD. It's <laughs> like long, slow, deep um, <laughs> breath, <laughs> alter your state <laughs> and and it and through your nose and then down into your belly. And so the first so because it's just there's big advantages, and you've probably seen books about breathing. Um, just the massive advantages of breathing through your nose. I literally sleep with my mouth taped shut because I'm a nighttime mouth breather. I have the, okay. the blue tape that you use for paint when you paint. Oh, sure. Through. Yeah. <laughs> it works really well. I've tried a lot of things. It's my favorite. Um, and to just breathe through the, your nose. Um, it's much more calming, um, much more awareness. I try, uh, I go over as long as I can during a workout, breathing through my nose, often on a stair master, I'll just I'll keep myself right at my nose limit. Um, and so like that. And also then when performing or athlete or um, in the business scene is a longer, slow breath. It's really what's kind of became famous out of, well, to me, out of heads up baseball is, I mean, you watch the college world series, men or women, and you see people put that back foot in the box, look, you know, hold the bat, take a breath, they're saying something to themselves and stepping in, but that's yes. whatever page, right? right out of, out of uh, heads up baseball, like every year that guy, cause he was the, a lot of the photos were Skidmore, uh, my players. Um, it's like every year at the college world series, we just ping each other. I'm seeing them. <laughs> my kids can't believe that, that that's a picture of their dad doing that. So having a, a, awesome. a one big one is for sure. Yeah. It's great. What I, I also though talk about is, the long, slow, deep breath the whole time from, okay. from on the bench to grabbing your bats when my bat begins, if that's when it is. And then slow conscious breath from there. And then I'm not attached to someone taking a big breath. I've often said, Hey, I want to be able to see it from the second deck. Um, I'm not as attached to that. Um, I'm not trying not to be attached to anything because the, the wild card is what works for you. What works for you now? Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of made a living talking to really good people and seeing what they do, pull it together, and then make it available to others. That's kind of been my shtick. <laughs> and I we didn't even talk about this. I mean, my dissertation, I interviewed Hank Aaron, Rod Cruz, Dan Musial, Kari Strimsky, Pete Rose, Tony Oliva, who got into the Hall of Fame. He got <laughs> he got into the Hall of Fame. Rose wasn't part of the dissertation. Once Tony got into the Hall of Fame, I had all guys. Um, all hall of famers in my dissertation picking their brain for hey what did you do how'd you do that <laughs> that's my phd level question is like hey you know you lead the world in total bases all-time total base leader mr aaron it's like how'd you do that and um so talking through stuff like yeah. that and what did he say how did he do it he said first it's all about preparation how a, yeah. how a guy prepares to do battle was his phrase so Okay. PhD boy says, <laughs> how did you do that? <laughs> right. That's, right. That's like the level of intellect that, that I was at, but that's what simple wins. Right? <laughs> right. So he said, well, I'd visualize, I would imagine 
um, the pitcher and what he throws and what he's got. And I go, okay, uh, Jerry Kuzman's pitching for the Mets tomorrow. Talk me through that. He said, well, I think about well, the night before, okay, Kuzman's pitching tomorrow. What does he got? What does he throw? I see those pitches coming in. I said, like from as you'll see them or do you see yourself on TV? And he's like, mm, no, as I, as I see them. So he's inside okay. and, um, and I see those coming in and then I put myself in different situations, man on first, first inning, two outs. How does he pitch me? And I see that. And then fourth inning, nobody on, nobody out. How does he like that? And talked through. Um, and he said, that's then what enabled him to be so focused and so consistent. It's like, how do you do that? He's 12 miles of base running ahead of Stan Musial, who's the second all time in total bases. So it's like, Stan, the number two guy of all time would have to just run the bases for a half marathon to catch Aaron. It was so consistent. Like, how did you do that? He goes, just what I'm telling you. And it was, it was, it still, it gets me right now. Cause he said, we're driving in the car. around Atlanta. I'd flown down there and he said, Hey, you just want to talk, right? Yeah. And I said, can we go, we got to, I got some things to do around town. And uh, I said, okay. I said, Oh, we're going to run some errands. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he didn't, and so I didn't explain that I had just made a joke, but yeah, um, you know, anyway. So we're driving around and he said, This is the most important part about hitting. And no one's okay. ever asked me this before. Wow. No one had ever asked him. I don't think anyone got into it then. It's on my list still to get a book out and a of of this, you know, how great hitters think. Um, but it was that mental preparation. So it's the same for an executive. I use that story. Right all the time of like, okay, the night before you're okay. What do I got tomorrow? What do I want to do? How do I want it to go and picture it and pre-play it? I call it. And you go through that and who do I, how do I want to be? What have I got? And certainly in the morning you get up, do getting green part of it. You get feeling good. Feel good. First is the first biggie. And then second is beyond target. What are, what are my targets that I want to go through? Um, and that ends up with the kebab. I got to give you my kebab model um, that I that I teach, basically, which is you're going to have targets. That's a person ha has all these targets of goals. A kebab, there's chunks of meat and there's vegetables. And those are the tangible goals. And then there's the pathway. So we'd say a lot. I hear a lot in our world about, oh, it's all the process. It's the process. It's a process. It's like, well, my process is to put the toothpaste on the brush and then I put it in here. It's like, well, how's that going to help me get to... The major leagues it's like well it's good to have good teeth <laughs> but the goal what is what's the dream what is the goal what are the targets and then it's this this way what is your way what is that yellow part there of driving through that this kind of stick of the shish kebab um and it's to me it's one thing it's it, it isn't it's an artificial dichotomy to break it into outcome and process because i want them doing with the pro i want them thinking i want to get a hit I'm going, to, I'm going to get a hit. Okay. And then you back on to that because when I was, what I ran into at Skidmore fresh out of my PhD was I was so processed. Oh yeah. It's, you know, take your breath to do your routine. Just write it heads of baseball. I'm writing heads of baseball. <laughs> I'm doing this, but so I, and I still have this in my image in my head of me standing in the outfield, my team's around me and I'm saying, you guys did a great job. You took those breaths importance of the breath it's beautiful these guys all say it's super important he did you routine you looked at it and we lost 12 to 3 and so it was playing sort of beautifully like a beautiful 
um, you know, oh, let's be in the process. It's all about the process. It's all okay. Well, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not sure. okay. You have to, yes, sure. do it. But with an intent to win the game and win the game, always be focused on, focus only on winning. I end up saying focus only on winning, stay on track. When we drift off, we get onto things that, oh, I'm upset about this, or that shouldn't be this way. My ball shouldn't be in the bunker. It shouldn't be <laughs> like, what do you want to have happen and be on track? So I think of it all as the kebab, the process okay. and the outcome. So, cause okay. Aaron, Aaron back on that was, was that he was like, what did he throw? And and yes, you could say, well, that's the process. Yeah, but he wanted to get hit. But he he also said the the, the last piece that's big from him. I said, what were you doing in the batter's box? And he said, well, I wanted to put the fat part of the bat in the ball. Okay. And so, to me and my my corporate keynote like message is the fat part is the best part of the bat, and the ball is the most important thing at that time. So it's bringing your best to the most important thing. What's most important? Mm -hmm. How do you bring mm -hmm. your best to that? And then Stan Musial is like my dad's hero. Um, I asked him, what were you doing in the box? What were you doing? And interestingly, he said, I always knew where the fat part of the bat was and I wanted to put it on the ball. That's it. And then PhD boy is like, and? <laughs> And that became clear as I was transcribing it, that that was what he was doing. So this idea of simplicity, and like you see from in Heads Up Baseball 2 with Joe Madden, do simple better was the mantra as the Cubs broke the curse and won the World Series. Sure. Yeah. Do simple better. And that ties mm -hmm. in with, with this book, which is really about com commitments and commitment management. Mm -hmm. I will do X by Y. I just you know, spent a week at a company just training people in that. And kind of, in a way, it's almost embarrassing because it's like, I will commit, I will do X by Y. Well, by when will you do this? And then if you aren't going to fulfill that, you should let them know. <laughs> and if you risk the deadline, you should clean it up. And then there's acknowledgement and there's a way to complain if someone didn't do any of that um, to do it skillfully. So super simple, um, but not often done well and so it's really executing that so what i find in some um with these high performers is yes the, the preparation and then what is the essence what is the critical variable how do i keep this simple because simple wins whether it's hitting or business or life once things get complicated then you're veering off the kebab um, Absolutely. So yeah, Tom, so many good. I don't know what the question I don't know what the question was. <laughs> I think that was my answer. Dissertation. <laughs> well, I, I appreciated so many different things there, like do simple better, um, the visualization, uh, just kind of thinking about where you're going. And it makes me think about your book, Play Big. And I want to talk to you about uh, ask you a few questions about that, and then we can talk about your last book um as we keep going here. Huh? And um Tell us a little bit about what play big means to you. And I loved your five simple steps of playing big. And I'm just going to share them with the audience now. And Please. I'd like you just to talk about those. Mm -hmm. So you said um, five simple steps to play big are clarify what you don't want, clarify what you want, uh, fully experience having it, notice and remove resistance, and then focus and trust is your fifth ones to perform. 
Tell us what about what that idea of play big means. And then, you know, these five steps that people can use to play bigger. And I'm thinking it doesn't relate just to sport, but in life oh, in general. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and that's really uh, the company we have heads up performance. This is what this book is like. And I wanted the book to feel good, like have a good vibe. I worked with a guy, Todd Pearl, who's just fantastic at that. So just to me, feels good, looks good. And that's what it's about is that good feeling where that's what is playing big is getting to green, in effect, deliberately getting to green. And then I teach uh, the beginning of the book. It's a fictional story. It's, um, it's really me coaching me. Um, on the field that I played in in high school, um, with with all every every name in there as one of my teammates, either from high school or college, um, and it's this guy coaching this this younger this young player through a fence, and he doesn't see the guy. It's like Wilson, you know, Tool Time from um, Tim Allen. Do you know that sure. show? Yeah, I love that. Or show. Wilson, where you never see the yeah. neighbor, but you, yeah, it was like that. Originally, was going to have it be Babe Ruth, like it's in the dugout, but no one else can see him. But this guy. <laughs> But then a couple of people said, Tom, I think that's a little over the top. Um, and like, uh, so it's really about learning to, to, to me, the whole with the mental game is learning to express yourself fully, you know, that, that your sport or your business is a, as a means of a vehicle for self-expression. So it's a really ends up being about playing big. And I like this, mm. this um, thing that you would have seen where it's like, you're going to play like this. Or yeah. you played with this. You think? Tell me about a time when you when you played like this. Oh, this game against you know Tampa Catholic when I blah, blah, blah. I did this. Okay, now tell me about a time when you were like this. Small. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just big and and small. If you're, uh, and so people relate to that of like an expansion and a freedom. That's what it's about. And so mm -hmm. book teaches these tools. The first, the main one, which I do teach all, all the time, is my ABCs. A is act yeah. big. B is breathe big and C is commit big, you know, I will, that part of that on ball, I will do X by Y, you commit. So you act, carry yourself that way. I came to that. I was going to talk to this, this guy was in Chicago and this guy, oh, talking to this older group. And then it's like, like can you talk to my nine-year-olds tomorrow? It's like, sure. And I'm like, well, what am I going to say? Like the top thing would just act like you're confident. And that would still be the thing. If you said, okay, Tom, you got three mm -hmm. seconds for the podcast, right. say, I would say, would say, act like you're super confident. And I'd still have two seconds left maybe, but that would be the thing. Um, and then breathe as we've talked about, and then commit is a focus. What am I locked in? I call it a Goldilock. You want to have a Goldilock, which is not too much to think about, not too little. Hey, just go have fun. Okay. But, um, you know, just right, like bat, bat on the ball, fat part of bat on ball. Um, and so the guy's learning that as we go. And then it actually, the reason I wrote this book is yes. to have people start to tap without having to be in a crisis first. I work a lot with the yips um, yeah. where people, it's like a catcher can't throw the ball back to the pitcher or a second baseman can't throw it to first. And so... I, you have to be able to talk to to Miggy. Uh, Miggy is uh, to me the amygdala. But if it was oh, uh, if we were on okay. a team, <laughs> okay, you and I were on a team, and then there's our new guy named John Amygdala. Yeah, we call him Miggy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Miggy, um, it's Miggy and Tex. 
So that's, it's a little more complicated. Okay. I don't say it too much to my brain, my neuroscience friends, but <laughs> I break it down into Miggy and Tex. And if and people Miggy, aren't sure what that means, it's like two different parts of the brain. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because they're not, though. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so um, the tapping is literally tap. We literally tap. I've done this for 20 years, but still it's, it's not that well known. Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with tapping. I'm not trained in it or heard about it. Is that yeah. what it means? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's literally yeah. tapping on 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 um, yeah. acupressure points, and if you said, "Okay, what's your most powerful tool?" I, you got into this field in 1983. Yeah. I reached for this book called Sports Psyching. Um, I, it's right it's behind me somewhere. I was in a bookstore. It's like sports psyching, and I, I just said I'd major in psych because I didn't think you could do anything in sports. So, and I sports, and I've been in it ever since. Like, what's the most powerful tool? Yeah. Um, it's tapping. And oh, so, cool. um, and it's got a cousin I'm also certified in, um, called havening where you're, you're, you're making physical moves. It's a, it's a somato psychic, okay. um, modality tool. Okay. So using the body to change your thinking, mm. but again, a big, big, big false dichotomy is that the mind and the body are two separate things, <laughs> even mind body stuff. Right. It's like, well, it's one thing. I've never had a hitter go up to the plate without his head. So the, the you're, you're, you're doing things with the tapping. They can see it or not. I just use top of the head, inside edge of the eyebrow, out of the eye, under the eye, bump, 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 under the collarbone, and okay. then under the arm. There's other yeah. points and we can get into that as much as you want, but it's talking to Miggy and there is, I do have this because I end up talking about this. Here's a book called the science behind tapping. It's a hard book. Yeah. This woman in Australia is the rock star okay. researcher and it's all okay. kind of brain scans and cortisol level goes down 45% and a replicated study. So this is a compilation of all the studies uh, on wow. it. It's not like you have to believe in it, but sure. you have to do it. And so it's really, it's sending signals to Miggy that it's safe because the way our brain works, this is how I ex explain it, that every information comes in through our senses and goes to Miggy because Miggy is around 30 million years old in development and Tex is more like 40 or 4 million. So as, as the brain layers, you know, as we developed more brain, um, but it came in that order, the ones who developed more brain lived so right. the ones right. with the bias towards survival, it was really, you could, one way to think of it is that um, survival of the scaredest. Because if Uncle Unctor goes out there, hey, there's a new tribe. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. May or may not come back. Um, but then whoever stayed back and said, well, like, he's an idiot, um, kind of mates maybe <laughs> with his mate and pass on that safety bias. And so information yeah. comes in goes to Miggy and Miggy is saying, am I safe? Am I safe? It's yeah. super, super fast. And he uses, or she uses past experiences. How has yeah. it gone when I've thrown the ball? Am I safe to throw this ball? How has it gone? If they've had some trauma, I think of the yips as like a PTSD and we all have it to some degree. There's no just yips over here. It's a performance um, hierarchy. And you just, we slide up and down it all day. It's just that the yips and the choking is way at the bottom. Um, and so the thing is, Miggy is associating this with fear. Throwing equals danger or threat is a better sure. word. Throwing yeah. equals threat. Therefore, go into survival mode. Everything stays down below tax. And now the guy, the body goes into defense. 
and Tex is saying, but I'm playing softball. You know, I'm talking to a woman in the, you know, that I like uh, or whatever the thing is that could then be trigger um, this protection. But Tex, Maggie doesn't speak English. Maggie is like a reptile. And so it only does that. And so that's our unconscious. So the tapping gets, it's like tapping is how you speak lizard. You know, that's what communicating with Miggy, you call yeah. up the event. Okay. Yesterday, I'm with you call up the event. Oh, this game against this or this presentation I made, the time I talking to my boss, whatever it is. Um, food, I mean, it's, it's everything because it's the nervous system where comes up and then Miggy says, so you call it up and then you feel it. Like think of something that's stressful now, something you could stress out or, or worry about if you wanted and you focus on it because what you focus on, you feel. So you bring that up and then you tap. And so what it's, you've got this called up, this negative thing, and now you're sending positive neurochemicals into that area. And it's like, then it's, it's, it's like pulling up a word document editing it and then you put it back so do you think the tapping over time like do you do people do it just um when they recall an event and then they start seeing the event differently after the tapping or what do you see is like the impact of the tapping over time yeah so that sticking with the word document now i put that memory back because now it's like it's okay and mm. i'll be tapping away and now then i'll be i call it the um the uh tiktok or uh thing where you instead of remembering what happened let something play you know put yourself back in that game and hit the play button and see what happens and i want to keep going until the oh, make a good throw even though he never made a good throw memory is plastic that's one of the biggest things to, to know is that memory is plastic you can you can you can change it and that's a big part of my work is helping someone see their past differently, that it happened yeah. for them, that yeah. I'm going to rewrite my past yeah. through a different lens. So right. I see, oh, how great that was that that happened. I left Skidmore. <laughs> I was really depressed. I was, the, I, I wanted, I quit. I was a tenured professor and I quit, but I really turned out that I was quitting because I was getting depressed. And then I got really depressed <laughs> in my mid thirties. Okay. And I was like hurting. And at the time, yeah. It was like the stupidest thing any human had ever done. That's how it occurred to me through my lens. But in time, now it's like, my gosh, I worked full-time with the Yankees. I have this family, I have these great kids. <laughs> I have this whole thing. If I had been stuck mm. in that position, I, I was really contained. So it was great and it hurt. But now, so at the time it made me cry that I left sure. that job. And now yeah. it's arms up like, that's one yeah. of the greatest things. I was a tenured professor and I just bailed because I wanted more and something else. And yeah. it was not easy. But that perception, change of perception of your own past is the target with what I'm talking about here. And then we do it for the yeah. future. But um, because then if it comes up to Miggy, am I safe to throw this ball? Am I safe to talk to her? Am I safe to make this presentation? Miggy's like, how's it gone in the past? And if it's okay, yeah, this happened, but everyone makes bad throws. That kind of shift in perception of the past. Then Miggy's like, yeah, I'm safe to throw. And now I'm free to run my motor program because Miggy's not clicked me into survival mode, which overrides everything. Cool. 
And so, so if people want to learn more about the science of tapping, you see the book that was was called The Science of Tapping, if people want to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. Tom, one question I have before we move on to your, your last book that I want to spend a little time on. Um, give us an example of how tapping has helped the yips and those people that you work with who have the yips, because I think they're it, that can be a really scary thing for people who all of a sudden, you know, can't do something so fundamental that, you know, they love. Yeah. And so for someone listening, it's like, well, I don't play baseball. Well, right. I, we have this old Harvey, the RV, and I was being so careful of this old C-class Shasta thing. Okay. I'm so careful to not hit that thing that I backed into another one. And so after that, when I'm backing up almost anything, of course, I'm, it triggers because Miggy's like, sure. don't let that happen again. I remember backing up equals threat. So yes. anything, you could have a car accident, you could have a, be yelled at by a boss or by a parent to do work with parents. Um, well, mm -hmm. I can take a woman, a um, tennis player who's been doing great, end up with the yips on her, on her forehand and, yeah. um, you know, it's super critical of herself. And so this is to me, that ends up being the big leagues. I only do this if this is what comes up, but the big league of the mental game is that she's hitting forehands and we go back to bad incidents that she's had and we tap to clear them so that she, you know, she goes back to the game, you know, to the match at Kenwood and go back there now, see what you saw, hear what you heard, feel what you felt. And you can feel that now, right? Yeah. Where do you feel it? Oh, my chest. What does it feel like? Zero to 10. How strong is it? Eight right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. And we tap or Haven is a really cool one. Um, same principle. And because we're using our body, it's just like, just think if people are tapping, have you ever been stressed and then taken a run or gone to the gym yeah. and then you felt better? Right. Well, you just moved your body in such a way that it changed your, like your thinking. It's the same thing without needing to take a shower. So it, you, you, she taps on that and she got way better, way better as she then, you know, we clear the past. Step one is, is clear the past so they don't have these triggers things don't trigger you and then secondly you clear the future so that as you imagine going out there now you want her to be calm and confident with that on in zoom that's how i do it and then she goes out and does it it's a process you can't like get a onesie session with me because it's it's a conditioning process. So she goes out, it's like a video game. You go out here and then you fail and then you need to, oh, and then you fail and then you gain more skills. So she, this becomes a big league part. She gets so, so critical. She was doing great. And then she played with, with a guy who really came down on her in a negative, you know, criticized. And it triggered this stuff. And she was kind of back to a low level of performance with her forehand in particular. And why it's the forehand, you know, it gets, it's really complicated, but you don't have to figure that all out exactly. And then I said, well, there's critical, critical voice. And I said, well, whose voice is that? And she's like, it's, well, it's my mom's. And I'm like, okay. Right. And sure. now I hear that. And then off we go into that. And now we're back in school and growing up, tapping on things that happened when she was young with her mom so that she can gain freedom from it such that it doesn't trigger her anymore because nothing means anything i showed you like my vikings cup this you know it's like to you and me it's like yeah like to packers fan it's like 
boo. And other people, it's like, whatever, of the chargers. <laughs> Some of those right. chargers, like, means nothing. But this, we took dad to the Viking Stadium for his yeah. 90th birthday, and he, yeah. gets, he gets this cup, and then he wow. says he gives it to me, and then he dies like two weeks later. Oh. So it's like, yeah. the meaning of this to me? Right. Where is that yeah. meaning? That meaning is in me. So all meaning yeah. is in ourselves. And so it's in that lens. So we got to, it's lens crafting. The tapping affects the lens through which you see things because we live in an occurring world, <laughs> not a is world. You know, how does it occur to you? Uh, jumping out of a plane, is that stressful? Depends on the lens, right? Because if I've, it's my thousandth jump, I'm probably not feeling the same as my first. So it's the same activity, but it's, perceive differently. So the main work, if I work with somebody, it's like 50 minutes on the lens mm -hmm. and then 10 minutes on the heads of baseball stuff of, okay, and now here's your, you know, let's create a routine. Yeah. Because the lens mm -hmm. is way more important than, than th those actions. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Tom. You're I welcome. think, you know, <clears throat> we all have experiences in the past that um, you know, we make meaning based on the past. So I as I was listening to your experience with tapping and, and helping people clear that, I think we can all relate to that because there's all, but there's, there's always been something that maybe we wish would have gone differently, or we still hang on to now that doesn't serve us. So yeah. thank and you for never, sharing that. You're welcome. And you're never done. You know, it's not like, oh, if you tap for X amount of time and it's, it's a tool, it's not a magic wand. It's a tool it can be pretty miraculous but it's just a tool and you have to use it um, using it over time. I mean, every day stuff comes, we're so hardwired for safety yes. that we're not going to override that. I'm not going to make that Shasta, that um, C-class 1999 RV that we have. You can do a lot to that. We redid the inside. Okay, great. But it's still in 1999. <laughs> You're not going to, you know, turn that into some jet stream, you know, new thing. You'd have to start. So it is with us. It's like, we've got our design. I grew up the way I did my physiology, my family, my, all these things go into these programs. So it's really always a matter of, that's why with that shish kebab, it just keeps going. You hit some goal, it keeps going and you just keep setting new targets. And it is that journey as as that being on track is having that winning feeling is winning you know and then and but if you don't have targets that you're going through then you're back like i was with skidmore baseball of in the first few years of like hey nice job you guys really did your routines <laughs> and they're like don't you care that we just got our ass kicked it's like okay i'm missing that the target part of like yeah do your routine but do it with the intent to win yeah, love it. And so as we wrap up, Tom, I want to ask you one question about your latest book, Who Will Do What by When? And my favorite quote from that book, by the way, is this quote, uh, no team can outperform the limitations of its leader. If you want your team to get better, you must get better. So um, tell us just, uh, you know, one thing from the book that you think is the most important message from that book. Well, that's a great one. And because nothing happens if you don't think you or aren't committed to expanding. I want, I need to expand and to, to say, oh, it's me. I'm, if I'm a leader, 
it's I'm the bottleneck. If if I don't expand, the company can't. I'll work with the CEO, and it's like you and your vibe is the most important variable in this company, because crap runs downhill, and your vibe, your disposition, your vision, that's what you ought to be doing is being the vision. If it's contracted, if you're down more because you're a hard-nosed, get-her-done guy, I'm down in that lower part of that model, more red, yellow, you've got fewer options. You just don't see the the playing field. There's a guy, Mark Joyner, I think, where it's like the top variable for a vi- it makes a good, what makes a good leader, the top quality, sees the playing field whether it's a battle, corporate, or or football, does it, you see uh, see what's actually happening. And to do that, you really have to continue to evolve. And having said that, what we then get to is who will do what by when. You don't even have to read the book. <laughs> Just say that at the end, <laughs> say that at the end of a meeting. And sure. Birgit, as I said, is master certified coach. She's um, amazing. And this was 20 years ago. We we're like, oh yeah, we got fired by the Yankees. We moved here to work full-time with the Yankees and it lasted one year. They just weren't really ready. Sure. <laughs> Some other stories, but, yeah. um, but so now we're going to corporate and it's like, yeah, we're going to do planning and, you know, high level stuff. And then it's like, we realized people don't block and tackle. You have to throw and catch the Vikings can design a great play, but if that, Oh, it doesn't block that X, then it doesn't matter. It's it's not going anywhere. So you have to execute the fundamentals and honoring your your word is the most important business asset that you have is your own integrity. It's like, I'll do business with that guy because I trust him. And how do you build that trust? You you make a commitment. I will do X by Y. I will get back to you with this by noon on Friday. And then you do it. You put a brick in the in the wall of building an, a, a high integrity bridge between the two of you you violate that and so it gets you get stuff done better relationships and um and you feel better about yourself so mm-hmm. the road to success is paved with commitments is what do you mean commitment oh, i'm committed to saving the helping the veteran okay great but let's operationalize that i will do x by y like that and that's that part of bad on ball do simple better yeah and it's a fictional story with a with the love interest uh, going on underneath. It's it's really fun. We had some really good help um, crafting that, and uh, so it's a again a fictional story of a guy who was successful salesman, now a failing manager, and he goes to his high school baseball coach who helps him learn this model that I just kind of brushed over. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, so your four books, Heads Up Baseball, Heads Up Baseball 2, Who Will Do What by When, and then Play Big. Um, you know, such great content and ideas here. And Tom, thank you so much just for joining us on the podcast. I am going to work to summarize today the, to the best of my ability. I love <laughs> at the beginning when we talked about <laughs> meaningful and um, just being really mindful about what you put meaning towards. And yeah, um, and just I, the I like it. Of- Mm-hmm. And sorry, I like it as meanify. Meanify. Like as verb, okay, I think I spelled as the, okay, as the verb okay. to 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 deliberately put meaning onto something. Perfect. Meanif- meanify. There we go. Uh, we talked about the green light and uh, the breath and why that breath is so important. We were talking about your dissertation and what you learned from some of the best pros. 
we are talking about ABC, act big, be, breathe big, and commit big, and then um, tapping to help us continue to break free from some of those past experiences. And I appreciate how you shared that with us. And at mm -hmm. the end about uh, your newest book. So where can people find more about you and learn more about your books and buy them? So Dr. Tom Hansen is, uh, is the main, it's just a very simple site, but um, so it's Dr. Tom Hansen, H-A-N-S-O-N. Um, to contact me, there's a contact form and that's that would be the easiest um, for that. Our, our business site is Heads Up Performance. So just like heads up baseball, but it's heads up with no dash heads up performance.com. And um, I have a uh, play big academy.com as well. So awesome. So there, that would be, those would be the best things. And it's my email would be Dr. Tom Hanson at Gmail. Again, the DR T-O-M. So happy to have people reach out more information or anything I could help with. Be great. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm grateful that you're here and appreciate your wisdom and your experience. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're very welcome. I had a great time. You did a great job and you'd really do great work. I've watched you and admire you for a good while. So it's a fun experience for me. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Um, Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra, that's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A.com. See you next week.